This Week in Startups is brought to you by Our Crowd. Our Crowd helps you invest early in pre-IPO companies alongside professional VCs. If you're interested in investing, you can join Our Crowd for free at OurCrowd.com slash twist. Vanta. Compliance and security shouldn't be a deal breaker for startups to win new business. Vanta makes it easy for companies to get a SOC 2 report fast. Twist listeners can get $1,000 off for a limited time at vanta.com slash twist. And Fundrise provides access to diversified portfolios of private real estate to all investors with their industry-leading, easy-to-use platform. Sign up today at Fundrise.com slash twist. That's F-U-N-D-R-I-S-E dot com slash twist. Hey, everybody. Got an awesome show for you today. Today, I am bringing you an interview I did at Inside.com's NFT event, where I interviewed Metacoven, a crypto investor who made waves back in March, when he purchased an NFT, a non-fungible token, essentially like a digital asset, like a GIF, (laughs) essentially that is stored on the blockchain and is only one of one for $69 million. Let that sink in. It was one of Beeple's first 5,000 days. If you don't know who Beeple is, Beeple would uh, release a piece of art every day. And then he took those 5,000 pieces over 10 years worth of work, and he put them into one piece of art. Um, And so we had a great discussion about why on earth would anybody pay 69 million, million, not thousand, not 6.9 million, 69 million dollars on that. In other words, like a couple of jets and a couple of houses around the world for something that could be deleted off of a thumb drive. Pretty crazy times we're living in. Uh, but we had a great chat and I actually believe in NFTs. So it was, it, it, it was, although I don't believe in buying them at that price. Um, and I'm doing some other events at inside.com, including a podcasting event. And Meet Our Fund. Meet Our Fund is uh, a new concept I came up with that we'll be doing on June 8th and 9th, where 50 venture firms pitch 10,000 founders, including you, because you're invited for free as my guest. You know how we do it here. So go to meetourfund.com and apply if you're a founder. If you're not a founder, if you're a lawyer or a sales exec looking for customers for this virtual at this virtual event, you can buy a ticket. But founders, always free. But before we get into the interview, I just thought I'd give you a quick update on what's happening in the news. Casual audio, uh, like Clubhouse, which was just pinned at a $4 billion valuation, we'll get into that in a minute, has become all the rage. And we're seeing a lot of interesting players emerge in the space. I didn't see this one coming, but Reddit has launched a casual audio product, which basically looks like Clubhouse, but uses the design of Reddit. And think about that every Reddit every subreddit, I should say, and subreddits on Reddit are basically like message boards, whether it's about Dire Straits or Led Zeppelin or the Sopranos TV show or making pizza or baking at home, whatever hobby or topic is now going to have a casual audio space associated with it, which is pretty epic. And, And that is an amazing turn of events. And then at the same time, Mark Zuckerberg today announced that Facebook is joining the social the social audio game. Uh, and he did that on a, a Discord discussion with Casey Newton, uh, the journalist who left, I don't know if it was at Vox or the New York Times, I can't remember, but he left to do a Substack. And now he has a Discord server that he's doing. And in, on that Discord server, Discord is kind of like Slack, but for video games, if you don't know it, 
Discord has added a casual audio feature where you have a stage and then you have people talking and they've had video and audio in Discord for a long time. And now you're seeing Discord doing this. Uh, Casey left the verge. That's right. Um, so he, ironically, um, Casey didn't interview Zuckerberg about his clubhouse clone on clubhouse they did it on discord which is interesting in and of itself and uh zuckerberg basically likened casual audio to features like the news feed and stories in other words basically giving himself a little cover for stealing the idea uh like twitter has stolen the idea and reddit everybody's running with this idea and uh here is zuckerberg talking about uh, to casey newton the third area I, I think is is more around um you know live audio like the type of yeah. stuff that we're doing and i think that that's been a really interesting trend that you know, I think every once in a while, a new, um, you know, like a new medium comes along that can be adapted to a lot of different areas, right? So I think feeds were kind of like this initially, where, you know, we you know, built newsfeed in, in 2006. But then since then, almost every social product has some sort of feed. But it's like a feed isn't one thing. It's a format that basically takes the the shape and, and feel of the context that it's in. So, you know, your feed on Pinterest or LinkedIn is going to feel a lot different from your feed on Facebook, for example. Um, and, you know, we've seen that a bit with stories too. And I think that that's certainly going to be true with these kind of live rooms. Um, you know, I think the area where the areas where I'm most excited about it on, on Facebook um, are, are basically in the large number of communities and groups that exist. Um, you know, I think that you already have these communities that are organized around interests and allowing people to come together and, and have rooms where they can talk um, is, I think it'd be a very useful thing. Okay, so this is really interesting. Zuckerberg, not very well spoken, but basically kind of lied there. The feed, I think Twitter and friend feed get a little bit more credit for a feed. And also the RSS readers, not Zuckerberg himself. And uh, Facebook, but put that aside, obviously, everybody has a feed, and they're going to put it in groups groups has been a big focus uh, for Facebook. And just like they incorporate stories into everything and LinkedIn incorporate stories, everybody's going to have this audio feature. But at the same time, this is going on. I think clubhouse burnout has happened. And I think what people are realizing is that being entertaining and compelling in audio is hard. I know this, I've done 1200 episodes of this podcast. And before that, I did radio. It's kind of hard to be entertaining. It's kind of hard to keep people's imagination. It's really hard to produce high quality audio on a regular basis. And, you know, to keep people entertained, there's a reason why Howard Stern got paid, you know, nine figures every five years to do his radio show. It's because it's hard. It's hard work. And you have to have a certain amount of talent for it. And we have seen a drop off like you would not believe at Clubhouse. If you open Clubhouse up now, it's a ghost town. And it's a lot of weird rooms. Um, and actually, there were a lot of weird anti-Semitic rooms the last couple of days, which isn't Clubhouse's fault. I mean, they'll police them as best they can. But if you have people talking at a bar or a cafe or in dinner parties, they're going to talk about things. And some people are racist, some people are anti-Semitic, some people are stupid, you're gonna have stupid conversations, enlightened conversations, and even yes, anti-Semitic and racist conversations. Putting that aside, it's a separate issue. And I actually don't think it's clubhouse's fault. It'd be their fault if they let people do those all the time. But I mean, think about that. If, if somebody is, you know, got really sharp elbows and, and really gnarly opinions about things, and, you know, they're saying them in a room, it's going to be hard to police, they're gonna have to start recording rooms, and it's going to be difficult, I think, on a moderation basis, as opposed to text, which you can just scan. I suppose Clubhouse will start transcribing things and 
looking for people saying certain words and maybe locking their accounts based on that. But boy, it's hard to be in a social now today because so many people are now on these platforms. But Clubhouse's downloads from February, March, and April of this year has been a stunning decline. Now, of course, installs only happen once, generally speaking. So as a product gets more popular, the install base is installed and therefore they don't have to install it. But February, 9.6 million, March, 2.6 million, and April to date, 643. So they'll probably double that, be at 1.2. But it's basically going down dramatically according to this tweet we just found. Uh, Sensor Tower, I guess, is the are the people who are monitoring this. And it's also invite only still. So when they finally open up, it could pop. But back in February, I think they said they had 10 million users. And they just raised at 4 billion. And this is where it gets really crazy. The same venture capital firm did clubhouse at 100 million, 1 billion and 4 billion in 14 months. Why is that important? Well, here's the thing. When you are an investor, you do, let's say, the seed round or the Series A. In this case, the Series A was five times bigger, six times bigger than the average Series A today. Average Series A today, 15 to 30 million. They did 100 million plus. And there was also this weird thing where the founder sold some shares. Put that aside for a moment. Then, a couple of months later, boom, a billion dollar valuation, 10 times the value. Then four months later, Boom, a $4 billion valuation. So why would a product in decline to get a $4 billion valuation? Well, normally that company would have to go and get a lead investor and have them price the round. In other words, put a value on the business. The business makes no money. It only loses money. It stopped growing fast or it's, it's declining in terms of this, the velocity in which it's growing. Um, and it's got massive competition from Facebook, LinkedIn, Reddit, uh, Discord, <laughs> Slack said they're coming out with one. Twitter, I mean, it is bonkers how many people are now competing with this product. Spotify also announced that they're going to do something. So this is going to go down in the history books as perhaps the most bubble insane bet in the history of venture capital. If this company becomes and sells for anything less than 10 billion, or anything less than 4 billion, I'll be honest, it's going to look really bad for Andreessen Horowitz. Now, why would they do this? It's likely that somebody offered to buy Clubhouse for a couple of billion dollars. Why would they do that? Well, sometimes you hit magic and somebody defines the format and a big trillion dollar company or a $500 billion company, it's only 1% of their net worth. So who cares? And reportedly, Twitter did hold discussions to give $4 billion to take over Clubhouse. So what does an investor do if they want the company to go long? They offer them the same price as the acquisition. So now you got the internal venture capitalists who are negotiating essentially to keep that business growing because they don't, they're not in it to invest at a billion and have it sell for four and four times their money. It's nice. It sounds nice to you, I'm sure, if you're not a venture capitalist. But when you're a venture capitalist, you're trying to go for that 50x, 100x, 5,000x, the Coinbase, Google, Apple, Tesla type return. And so apparently, Andreessen Horowitz is going for it. And for them to break the cardinal rule of letting other people price around is really suspicious and weird. If that company sells for $50 billion, my goodness, Andreessen Horowitz will look like geniuses. Because I don't who knows how much they bought 10%, 10%, 10%, maybe they own 30% of the company now. And then it sells. Oh, my Lord, they're going to be just swimming in cash. But if it doesn't work out, and 
they invested at $4 billion as all these other companies. I mean, and we're talking about like the the biggest shark in the ocean in, in social is Zuckerberg. Like he just is a great white shark, a bull shark. He just rips people apart. So that is a really crazy bet to make. Now add to that that I believe Mark Andreessen is still on the board of Facebook. Somebody fact-checked that for me, but he was. So this is really weird. Uh, no conflict, no interest, as we say in the business. So uh, to recap, Clubhouse isn't going to be sold anytime soon. They're going to go long. They're going to go for the five, 10-year growth while the format is burning people out. And everybody thought podcasters would stop podcasting. And I just thought, no, this is something different. Casual audio is not the same as podcasting. Podcasting, you get great guests, great quality audio, video, great production values. You can't do that on an app. You can do casual fun stuff. So, you, you, you know, that's nice, but it's not the same as doing a proper interview, um, at least not today. Maybe the technology gets better and it will be. But uh, right now they're up against Reddit, Spotify, Twitter Spaces, Facebook, Microsoft through Discord, <laughs> and who knows how many startups, there's got to be a half dozen startups that I know of that are making a go of this. So I do think there'll be five winners in this, and the five winners might be three or four existing companies and two or three you know, independent companies. So it's an incredible space. Um, I tried to invest in Clubhouse, and I would have invested in Clubhouse probably at the billion-dollar valuation as well. And in fact, I asked somebody who was involved in the company, like, is there an opportunity there? Uh, but there wasn't. And so I wound up investing in two other companies and I'm happy with those bets, but I would not have invested at the four billion, I'll be honest, because I think this could be just a huge disaster for Andreessen Horowitz. I'll be honest. I mean, oof, if I was an LP and Andreessen Horowitz, I would want to see what this was about, uh, because this seems really, really risky. This would be the equivalent of you have a good hand in poker, but not the nuts and not the second nuts or the third nuts. Maybe you got the fifth best hand, fourth best hand. And instead of folding or just betting small, you just bet huge, bet huge, bet huge pre-flop, bet huge on the flop, bet huge on the turn. And now you're going all in. I mean, woof, this takes guts. Um, and so I give uh, the Andreessen Horowitz team credit for being absolutely insane in their betting strategy. This has been done once before, by the way. WhatsApp was funded by Sequoia multiple times. Now, WhatsApp was growing like a weed. WhatsApp had a good revenue model. They were charging, I think, users a dollar a year, but they had 600 million users or something crazy like that. So they were highly profitable from what I understand. And they never went out and raised funding from other people. So I think Andreessen Horowitz copied the Sequoia playbook. We'll see if it works out for them. Okay, let's get to this interview. Equity crowdfunding and other investment platforms have been blowing up in 2021. But you know what investors really need to look out for before investing? Platforms with a proven track record that thoroughly vet their startups. You as the investor, you really want to do vetting and you really want a platform that is vetting every deal. Well, accredited investors are in luck because our crowd has already vetted over 14,000 companies and only 1% to 2% pass their diligence process. Our crowd's professional VC research team identifies promising companies 
companies and funds across a range of sector stages and global locations. The investment professionals at our crowd have already invested hundreds of millions of dollars in over 200 companies with dozens of exits. Our crowd is investing in medical technologies, breakthroughs in ag tech and food production, solutions in the multi-billion dollar robotic industry, which I'm also interested in, Cafe X, Rude AI, which we just had a big exit on, uh, and so much more. I recently wet my beak on our crowd with a bet on Cyabra, a company that uses AI to uncover disinformation and fake news on social media. I thought that was an interesting bet. And if you don't have a stomach for these early stage deals, which are more risky than the later stage one, well, our crowd offers later stage deals as well. For example, our sales guy, Matt, just invested in Plenty, which is an indoor vertical farming startup. And he invested alongside Jeff Bezos and SoftBank's Vision Fund. How often do you get a chance to do that? The R crowd account is always free at our crowd.com slash twist ourcrowd.com slash twist we're going to have a lot of questions for our next guest i know many of you will meta how are you good good how are you jason i am good let's start out with who are you who are you <laughs> who is meta coven the person who spent 69 million dollars on an nft who are you hmm. uh, as meta coven meta coven is a uh, year old now so i've been a metaverse avatar right like and uh, i've been very um active with the nft space since 2017 right and um, yeah i just i just uh, think this um this life of 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 metacode is completely something that i got to experiment with and i'm just running with it but before uh metacoven uh i'm vignesh right like and uh i've been in the space since 2013 i built several companies i built a bitcoin atm company uh based out of canada uh yeah i've i've done several things in the industry before and i'm assuming that you have uh an enormous net worth because you spent 70 million dollars on an nft so how did you make all this money? Were you an early Bitcoiner or you bought, got an early on Ethereum or you sold a company? What, what did you do in your day job that gave you the ability to spend this much money and, and capture everybody's imagination? So, so, so definitely did not make money out of startups. Uh, it's, it's quite hard. Uh, I yeah. think Coinbase Tell me is just, about it. <laughs> like, like Coinbase is just having the exit, right? So it's not like a lot of companies in our space has had an exit yet. So uh, m most of the money I've made, uh, like all of the money I've made is, is through uh, crypto, right? Like, so I, I started with nothing. Um, I started uh, participating as a escrow agent in the Bitcoin talk forums back in 2013. So I was the middleman and then that service grew to an extent where it, it became kind of an exchange. And then I took that money, a little money I had and invested in Ethereum and when the crowd sale came out. And then from there, I've like, you know, that, that mental model is what I live with. So I'm not a maximalist. Uh, I, I look for new technologies. I think it's a beautiful, uh, the two things, right? Like one is, this is a free market of ideas and it's, uh, it's, it's free, ca like capitalism, right? Like it's, it's completely, uh, unrestricted. So what it allows, it, it allows anyone to invest in high growth startups at a very, very early stage, which is unique to our system. Because I don't think I'd be in the cap table of, I, I'm not in the cap table of Coinbase, right? So it's not, it's not every day that we get access to high growth uh, uh, investments like that. And I did get it. So I, I, I invested in Ethereum and then uh, on Polkadot and, and um, 
uh, last year flow and and several other um, uh, interesting um, blockchains also and you have over 1600 bitcoin atms all over the globe for uh, with bit, bit access is that correct uh, yeah, that, that's true. But, you know, like I'm not with the company anymore. Uh, when I left the company, we had maybe around 600. Uh, so this 2016, end of 2016. But the good part was the first year, 2014, we put around uh, 100 ATMs uh, around the world. And and, uh, and it has scaled quite a bit since then. And so what is Metapurse Fund? This is your... Uh, fun to buy nfts or to invest mm -hmm. in startups or some combination it's a it's roughly a 200 million dollar fund that you're investing out of yeah so uh again it, it didn't start out as a 200 million dollar fund uh i took some of the money i uh, made through crypto and i started buying nfts right like uh, for two reasons one of them i uh, had this base thesis of the virtual worlds mm -hmm. and uh, I, I looked at them as a new distribution platform uh where I feel like the new social media will not look like the same social media. So it's going to be different. And so I started investing in all these virtual worlds and, and buying up like scores of land. So that's, that's how uh, that started. So that was back in 2017. And that's part of the fund now, right? And uh, I've also invested in all the infrastructure companies and, and, and all these NFT related companies, not in Dapper Labs, but in Flow, right? Like I kind of have this... Uh, tendency to to trust the tokens more than the underlying company itself personally because liquidity interesting is you trust the token more than the company i as an investor in startups was insistent when a number of my startups asked to do icos that my investment remain in the company and that if i wanted to buy some tokens i would do that but i took the opposite approach so who who's going to turn out to be right in this one do you think so so it depends right like uh not not every company is going to have a successful token definitely uh but i i i have very few investments but all of them are you know like well thought of and and um like high impact to an extent there are a few that didn't work out but for me personally i i moved myself into singapore i have no capital gains that means that you know i can roll over my money so like accumulation is very different here, right? So I get to do a 10x and then take the money, do another 10x. I don't think that's the same across the world. Uh, no, you would have to pay capital gains and you would have yeah. to pay short-term capital gains, in fact. So in Singapore, you can just move in and out of cryptocurrencies all day long and flip them without having the tax event, correct? Um, not if you're, you know, actively trading. Actively trading then becomes a business, you know, and, and uh -huh. you're treated like that's your business and you have to pay income on that. But, you know, I, I never trade, right? I, I move from investments to an investment. Got it. So, wait, you're saying you never sell your digital assets or you use yeah, one digital yeah. asset to buy the other? Yeah, that's right. So, I, 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 I'm, I, I have no fiat. Uh, I don't live on fiat at all. So I, I just moved from, say, this route, right? Like I moved from Ethereum to Polkadot to Flow. And, and there was not much happening there. Uh, and so you have no fiat. What do you do when you go to dinner or you have to pay your rent or buy a house? <laughs> so I do have a personal bank account in Singapore. Nowadays, <laughs> it's a little more easy to get the account. Uh, last two years was a little hard, I should tell you. But, you know, I, and there are also these uh, crypto cards, right? Like crypto.com and uh, yeah. 10x and, and various stuff. So I've been swiping that away. So it's not been hard. You, when you made this investment in people's peace, mm -hmm. um, 
I think you it was an auction. You paid twice as much as the previous highest bid. Uh, and is that correct? Mm. No, no, no. no. Like uh, Christie's has a very interesting bidding system, so you cannot bid whatever you want, right? Like it's it's two fifty k more than the previous bidder. That's it. Oh, okay. So do you know who you were bidding against? Were there many people at the end, or was it just you versus one other person? And who was that person? Um, I I don't know him personally, and I I didn't know at the time of of the bid, but you know, it, it I found that it was Justin's son uh, through Christie's and and also his Twitter. Got it. And so, why was it so important for you to own this piece? Um, I think it's a very important piece in NFT history. So, if you look at my collection, personal collection, I've been collecting uh, very important pieces that that marked uh, the change of medium and the importance of medium uh, as, as NFTs have come through like fr- starting 2017 right so i've had these collection of programmable art the first uh, official collectibles like from f1 um to this specific piece that that i felt like was was signaling to the world uh, the traditional world that nfts are here and nfts are here to stay um there is a lot of, lot of things going on right like and and people think about a lot of analogies all the time when 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 we think about something new and every analogy is a little wrong right and that's what gives this a lot of value because it's you know that there is so much to talk about it yeah and i and like frankly speaking i had like i felt like i had to do it and and Mm. it had a lot of value going forward for a lot of reasons hey everybody i thought i would have christina cassiopo on this week in startups to tell you about vanta Vanta, of course, has been sponsoring the pod and had a great reaction. And we're going to talk today just a little bit about what SOC 2 compliance is and why it's so important for SaaS products. Welcome to the pod, Christina. Thank you so much for having me. What are the things that these big companies are looking out for most when they are looking at your SOC 2? Is it two-factor authentication? Is it encryption? What what are the details here? I'm just curious. Yeah, it's it's a good question. So there are um, details like encryption where people really like to see. Like if you get any one-off security questions, you can imagine those are great items for your SOC 2. I think at a higher level, often they're just looking for, they use a SOC 2 as a sign of organizational maturity. So Mm. is your startup kind of like still a few people on a couch? And, you know, a little untrustworthy, or are you mature enough to work with an auditor to get one of these reports? Um, And so overall, they're just looking for a bit of, you know, you've crossed your I's and dotted your T's, you have your things together. All right. Thanks again, Christina, for explaining to us why this is so important for SaaS companies, especially when you start getting into that sales process. And you've been very generous. You're making a nice offer. If people go to vanta.com slash twist, what are they going to get, Christina? They're going to get $1,000 off their Vanta subscription. Um, And we're a big fan of twist listeners. Oh, thanks. I know you had a great response from uh, our our listenership, and they always tell you they found you here. So thanks to our Twist Army, and uh, we'll see you all next time. Bye-bye. So you believe that this piece will be worth much more in the next 10 or 20 years? Uh, So I'm not planning to sell it, So first, first of all. And, okay. and it's not that's always like a good starting point at creating scarcity <laughs> good <laughs> you, you you clearly are very sophisticated <laughs> in how the art world works even if uh, you're new to it so you're never going to sell it but if it did go for sale do you think it's going to appreciate you 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 bought this because you think it's going to appreciate in value so like i i don't think it's a bad investment right like i didn't buy it so that i like for the appreciation but i i definitely think this is going to be 
because this is a first piece in 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 a very important change and and the kind of attention it got in the world is is phenomenal right like and everything plays into it right so, so that's that's the thing uh, nft is actually capture the aura of of the moment more than anything and and that's what like you know dapper labs also uh, captured very well and and if you look at what's a lot what what nfts have a lot of value is the ones that can capture the moment and and kind of become really unique and it's mm. very rare so these this people pieces has become so rare in the sea of nfts you know you, you are able to see it separately and everyone almost uh, knows about this nft in the world today right so i think it's very valuable and we are going to have like so many billionaires coming out of crypto in the next decade uh let's wait till uh, bitcoin hits a million dollars and uh, yeah a lot of people are going to want this you think bitcoin's going to hit a million dollars <laughs> yeah definitely yeah. I'm, i'm a poor bull right so <laughs> yeah i i'm assuming you still own a large amount of bitcoin i, I don't personally own bitcoin uh what? i'm i'm yeah, yeah I'm, i'm on like i'm inside the industry right like for for someone outside in the cell be like yeah own bitcoin i believe in bitcoin but i get to take a lot more risk so if bitcoin is 2xing i i'd want to be in something that's 10xing got it so you think the appreciation of bitcoin is going to be slower going forward than other opportunities you have in front of you definitely as the number gets like people have the psychology like like as the number gets bigger maybe you know people people tend to invest in other things so tell me uh, do you think that there is an opportunity for bitcoin to be replaced by a better technology because if you were to say this to somebody who is a bitcoin maximalist they would mm-hmm. freak out and just absolutely mm-hmm. lose their mind but in every other aspect of technology we see technology being replaced by the next thing it's very rare that a technology or, or any standard uh stays forever i mean we do have yeah. some examples of ones that have been around for a while like the open web or email these are standards that have lasted decades but typically speaking things get replaced with something better so yeah. what do you so- think the chances are bitcoin gets replaced with something that's much better and what would that look like in your mind um very i i feel like there's very low probability that bitcoin gets replaced not because it's it's superior te- technology again right like it's it's a single celled organism uh, and and that's where we started but what we should understand is blockchain is not about the tech it's about the narrative and the story so the blockchain is you have to analyze and understand blockchain it's very political and and a more uh, of a uh you know like you you have to do a religious study about it then mm. an economical study or a technological study about it so bitcoin um winning and bitcoin staying the top currency is is for the good of everyone because if we can break bitcoin that means that everything else can be broken too and and that means that the the base of this whole movement is always shaky so it's in the it's in the best interest of everyone in the it, in the bitcoin or not to make sure that you know bitcoin wins so it's like that so even for me even if i'm directly not invested in bitcoin i'm always you know talking about bitcoin and 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 making sure that people under, like enjoy bitcoin and from there they take the other risks because my point is you cannot talk about the other cryptos story origin story without talking about bitcoin and that gives it the that gives it the value so it even if there's a better technological solution 
Mm. Uh, something that operates much more efficiently or provides other benefits that Bitcoin doesn't and Bitcoin doesn't adopt those features quick enough. You still believe that everybody should support Bitcoin because if Bitcoin did collapse or get replaced, um, it would cause a contagion within the crypto and people would lose faith in the crypto industry. Yeah, that's correct. And so I, you're and describing like, basically like a cult <laughs> or religion. It, and you no, you kind of use no, no. the term religion, right? You believe Bitcoin is a religion more than a technology? That, that's that, that's why I started like uh, a, a little before I was saying there are so many analogies we can go by and every yeah. analogy is a little wrong. So, yes. so that's but one the example. Most, but the most right one for you for Bitcoin is religion. Definitely, definitely. So religion first technology second and maybe utility maybe third like technology may in in case of bitcoin is maybe third it'll be economics uh, right like uh, in the uh, on the second level yeah if bitcoin were to stutter or fail mm -hmm. what would be the cause of that you think because we did have discussions early on hey china is going to come out with its digital currency um other uh countries are going to have uh their own digital currencies and they could of course regulate bitcoin to the level that it would be not economical they could put a tax on mining they could put a tax on using they could basically tax it or ban it outright and we haven't actually seen that happen have we hmm. i don't think but, uh, china would take that route right like if if china has to be more um, machiavellian what they would do is they will let uh, mining really flourish and then try to firewall attack the whole bitcoin system and and probably china would like, you know, like they are in the best situation to pull that off uh, compared to, you know, trying to shut it, censor it, because that does not make a lot of sense for them. Um, but I don't I don't believe uh, like a CBDC is going to uh, stop, uh, you know, like or, or the interest that's on uh, Bitcoin will be like reduced because of CBDC. It's very, very hard. But yes, uh, the countries are going to try very hard, but cross cross-country relationships right now are becoming harder and harder and i feel like like we have to understand bitcoin from a context of 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 governments which are which are not in a very good position right so so there is there are there are there are countries in the world like the us where where it's fine the system is fine singapore the system is fine but it's not the same in in the rest of the world and i think that's where bitcoin is winning right like it it's 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 some it works very well in a country at a time. And then, mm. you know, there's another country for its use case. And, and this keeps going on. And people have this narrative built in their head. So, you know, it's it's just easy. You, you can just uh, remember it very well and, and you go for it. So that's going mm. to keep happening. What, what do you think the um, pieces of Bitcoin that are going to be um, or the aspects of Bitcoin that need to evolve or that new currencies are going to just do much better? Mm. Uh, so the, the the scalability, right? Like especially the transactions. And um, I feel like what we have today, I've been recommending, if I have to go recommend DeFi to someone today, right? Uh, it's not Bitcoin, right? And and I, I'm also very reluctant to recommend Ethereum because it's like $100 a transaction. And and someone who has $1,000, I really want to tell them, don't put your money in the bank. You can you can convert that into USDC and then probably, you know, like make 10% and maybe some, some more tokens which are given for free instead of buying Bitcoin. 
But the thing is, they to do that, they have to spend a hundred dollar, two hundred dollar transaction. So I think that's very important to be solved. Where you know the transaction fees is is something that's very low, like a sub dollar, and and that's when we really get the crowds in. In 2021, a truly diversified portfolio needs more than the traditional mix of stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, according to almost everybody. It should also have exposure to private real estate. You want to have real estate. I own real estate. Private real estate is a good bet. Studies have shown that portfolios with an allocation to private real estate generally deliver a better risk-adjusted return with more annual income and lower volatility over the past two decades. Why is that? Well, it's because it's consistent performance throughout multiple market cycles. With Fundrise, this level of powerful diversification is now available to you. Fundrise provides access to diversified portfolios of private real estate to all investors with their industry-leading, easy-to-use platform. Whether you're looking to add stable cash flow via dividends or you prefer long-term growth through appreciation, Fundrise makes investing in real estate as easy as investing in stocks, bonds, or mutual funds. Fundrise's team of real estate professionals carefully vets and actively manages all of their real estate projects. And with their easy-to-use website, you can track your portfolio's performance and watch as properties across the country are acquired, improved, and operated via dynamic asset updates. See for yourself how 130,000 investors have built a better portfolio with private real estate. It takes just a few minutes to get started. Go to fundrise.com slash twist. That's one more time. F-U-N-D-R-I-S-E dot com slash twist. What a great domain name fundrise.com slash twist. Okay, let's get back to this amazing episode. What um, are you doing with regards to these um, scholarships or grants for new artists? Because mm-hmm. when I first heard about this $70 million purchase, I thought, wow, is there not like a better use of money? And I had to think to myself, okay, what is the motivation of this person? Okay, they're a collector, great. But they obviously must care about the arts. And I just immediately thought, well, if you had $70 million, and you gave I don't know, 700 artists, $100,000, you could Uh basically and had the rights to their first 100 works, maybe that would be a better bet. And then I look in my research that the team at inside gave me, and they do a great job with the research and great job to the team here uh, on today's event. They they told me that you're doing exactly that. So mm-hmm. tell us about your support of new artists. I, I find it fascinating. So, so uh, and I, by the way, I like, find you fascinating. By the way, <laughs> you seem <laughs> like you're not. a very honest assessor of crypto, and I thought you okay. might be a, a little bit um, more of a fanatic. <laughs> you seem very logical. You're a developer, or what did you do before uh, this? Uh, so yeah, I, I I'm I come I'm a um, I'm definitely a coder. Um, mm-hmm. I've I've been coding since uh, 2000. Two, uh, 2003 so yeah i don't i don't yeah. get to code a lot these days but yeah, yeah I, I am a coder yeah to to um, go back to your the question of, of yeah, the creators grants, yeah. and grants so i've like there are two kinds of grants that you know like i'm looking at so one is as as metapurse the nft fund we are doing exactly that right like where we are going going after artists and and we're going after you know like it's especially things that are changing the medium a little bit so taking nfts and seeing that you know if there is a unique use case to it or or a unique way someone is using it in the real world uh, we would immediately go support it right like so there are a lot of these social causes um, um, related to uh, art right now and those are those artists are 
moving on to the blockchain so we are we are big on it right so mm. we have a team of four uh, at least uh, who are who are picking these arts all the time so it's not just me so that's one thing and the and the other part with the creative uh, creator program itself the grants itself what we were thinking is we need a lot more people to educate uh the the new newcomers into the industry about you know like how do they understand nfts and where do they start right like it's it's really when we are building we are just head down and we just talk technical all the time right like we we skip a lot of things for example we will not even say crypto access we will just say cv right mm. and and we just assume people understand but the thing is it's like when we when i use the word metaverse it's a magical word right like people are like hmm maybe the guy puts on the vr and that's how he gets started they have this romantic idea about it but it's not true the metaverse is just a url right now and anyone can actually visit it right and the metaverse can be 2d also right so i feel like the clubhouse app is it's part of the metaverse and it's a very different idea i have and so i want to create this whole um, um system where you know there are creators who get supported and also also content creators who are supporting these creators to ah. uh, to kind of uh, uh, take their message and amplify them what what type of when you give that $100,000 grant what are you getting out of it do you get the right to buy their art do you get their first 10 pieces or is it literally a gift no it's a, it's a gift it's a gift. Why would you do a gift? Why would you not have some financial upside in this because if you got to own their first, I don't know, 10 pieces and got half of it and then you would because you are the greatest collector now in this space, wouldn't that validate yeah. them and then you could put them on the market again and get this sort of mm. flywheel going? So, uh, you seem not cutthroat enough. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I I feel like, you know, like I I I really like how you were speaking to Roham and how he was talking about you know like this new new world and that's very true um the artists are get, getting a lot more empowered right now and I feel like you know trying to ha- trying to earn goodwill is is much better and and as mm-hmm. an as an asset uh, right now and and that's that's what I'm focused on so I I will stand in the queue right like if someone is dropping an NFT I would I would never break the queue so I I've wow. told this a bunch of times and I try to bid and and be part of the auction because I feel like that's that's more of the narrative it it creates that mo- moment where everyone would remember it etc so if I if I just buy an nft and put it in my wallet you don't even know what's happening right like I have to come to you and explain to you what just happened so it, it's it's the it, there are a lot of things going on you know like so it's just better to uh, buy nfts rather than yeah Uh, commissioning them e- except i am commissioning a few pieces but it'll be from very different artists who are maybe not digital artists yet and i want want to pull them into this industry i'm i'm doing a few commissions yeah that to me is the most fascinating part about this is the smart contracts and what the downstream um economy might look like for these nfts because you know you, you saw an emergence of uh entrepreneurship come out of Airbnb so some people were renting a room but then other people said wait a second maybe if i had 20 apartments or 20 locations i could make a real business out of this etsy ebay right on down the la- line and it feels to me like with these new artists if they could be commissioned for 100 pieces at $1000 each but they got to negotiate half of the sale or two thirds yeah. of the sale um and then maybe or maybe they get you know 50% of the sale 
and then on resale half that 25% next resale half that and then a flat fee of 5% after that it's just so many great opportunities aren't there yeah yeah and i, I like w- whatever you're saying here is 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 something that can be explored right that, that's the freedom we have right now and i think every deal is different and and there is so much of uh, activity right uh, happening right now so every ev- everyone talking to us has a different deal we have no standard deals right now right so so we are giving away like we are like uh, for, for for each person on a on a on a like deal by deal basis is how how we are negotiating right now and that's how it is because we don't know what's going to win as a model too right so let's see let's see maybe in a in in a in 6 months to a year i think there'll be this emergence of of a standard of how this relationship could be yeah I, and that's the amazing thing about open standards isn't it that everybody gets to try what their view is i have to say yeah. like coming into this event i was excited uh or i was intrigued about nfts and now after speaking to or just get, you know sitting through this and speaking to you guys uh and hearing all these great talks i'm like actually really excited about the potential here um what what are your thoughts on the grifters and the scammers in crypto and the impact they're having on sort of making the space look bad while actually there's some great stuff emerging out of mm. the ICO wreckage of the last 3 or 4 years. And did you participate in those crazy ICOs? I'm I'm just curious how you look at it as a really early true believer. So, um I I how to say yeah, it is it is a it's the wild wild west, right? And and you're going to have all kind of uh, players. It's it's you cannot regulate away just the bad players. It's it's mm. very hard. right mm-hmm. and if you if you stop someone I, i'll give you an example once us started regulating the icos what has happened mm-hmm. is that icos moved out of the us and then us only the accredited and the funds in the us could participate in these icos while the rest of the world could right take take flow for example flow was not offered to the us mm-hmm. and flow was off but flow was offered to the to the to the vc companies and mm. a lot of people outside and a lot of people outside the us made money right so it's a it's a double edged sword right like so you are also missing the good opportunities not just the bad ones so i i feel like it's very important for people to understand the change in this phenomenon and ha- do their own research and be very careful because that the proverb which says you know if you are the, the world has a way to uh, take take the money away from a stupid person still yes. exists and it's very yes. true right and and stupid like, people lose their money quickly quickly and and it, like crypto is like walking in a street in somalia with cash in your pockets so it it yes. is it is risky but that's I mean, the where last time the last time i went to somalia and i was going to the cafe i didn't bring any yeah. cash i yeah. didn't bring any cash i just did bitcoin for everything but yes <laughs> you want to <laughs> I, if you've seen the movie Black Hawk Down, <laughs> Somalia is not the place you want to go with a briefcase yeah. full of cash. <laughs> I love your analogy, but yes, be careful and to yeah. make small bets. Five yeah. percent of your net worth or less is what I always tell people when they're doing experimental stuff. How much of your net worth is in crypto? Okay, so this this question again is 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 a disclaimer, right? Because I said yes. I have no uh, fiat, so like I am ninety nine percent invested in crypto. at any okay. point do But you own your own home no no i have no house i have no car 
I have no physical property. So if the crypto bubble were to pop like the dot-com one did and lose 90% yeah. of its value, you would literally lose 90% of your net worth. But like, yeah, but that's okay because my burn rate is like $3,000 a month. Got it. Okay. Um, are you open to unsolicited feedback? Uh, please, please, please. I, I think you've done okay. And if you could spend 70 million on an NFT, I think it's okay for you to buy a really nice house. Yeah. Um, and then buy a second really nice house. <laughs> like, this is my best advice to you. Literally <laughs> not- 20% per- of your net worth. Put because trust me, it's not going to make a difference in the end. And it, it's a great downside protection for you to have the best penthouse in Singapore, and the best island beach retreat, you'll get use out yep. of them. Yeah, promise me, promise me, you'll diversify just 10%. Okay, will you so diversify she- 10%? So so here's my answer, right? Like I'm I'm planning to do that, and I'm, I'm I've already you know started working on it. But the thing is, I didn't get here because of of a choice of just keeping everything in crypto. It was not a choice. I don't come from the US. You should understand that I come from a yes. country where if I had physical property and I was who I I was, I might uh, not have that physical property today. Because oh, explain which country ta- is this? I'm from India. Right. And, so and, what you're saying is you can't, the system there is not trustworthy. Yeah. Like you, you think like physical prop, like property rights are not the same across the world. And, that's, and that's the, that's the motivation for me to be in crypto, right? Now mm-hmm. I can say, okay, in Singapore, maybe it's, it's safer, but m- like five years ago, three years ago, right? Like when I, when I wanted to buy a property in India, it was always in my head where I was thinking, because you can be targeted, right? Like every individual is a minority. Uh, See, this is a fascinating discussion. I'm coming to it from the American perspective, where I've never seen anybody have their home taken from them. In fact, if you want to build a highway here, or when they were building the net stadium in Brooklyn, there were people who held out and were like, I'm not giving you my house. And the government's like imminent domain. And they were like, F you, I'm going to fight it forever. And we literally have instances where people in fact, did you ever see the movie, the Pixar movie Up? Yeah, 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 yeah. With the balloons? It's like beautiful. literally the premise of that is there's an old man in a house yeah. where he grew up with his sweetheart or his wife and she passes away and he just doesn't want to give up the home. Yeah. And no matter how much money they give him. Yeah. So we have in our hearts and souls this idea that it's your property. You have it forever. But you come from a world where that's actually not how the world yeah. works. And it's one of the beautiful things about crypto in this moment in time is that we all get to see uh, a different perspective when coming to the table. To you, crypto is less risk. To me, it's more risk. It's a really fascinating moment. That, that's truly America, right? Like I'm having goosebumps right now, but I've yeah. been telling this to people. Crypto is the, like if America is an idea, crypto is just the new America, right? And crypto and is the new America. Because it's Why? freedom. It's freedom and open borders. And I, like I, I came from India. I didn't. I didn't grow up in the US. I didn't. I, I didn't grow up in the in in, in the West uh, until my uh, until I was sixteen. I grew up in a small mm. town in India, and I got mm. the same opportunity to invest in Ethereum as a guy from San Francisco. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing, right? Yeah. So and, and so Amazing. that's how I made my money. So whatever you see today and the people story, this whole six six nine million story also is very powerful because it's a story of crypto more than it being a story of just me. 
right the credits to the industry and credits for the generous people who decided to share the piece of the pie listen you're a fascinating guy any closing comments you want to make sure sure so um like a, a bit about nfts right like um a lot of people look at nfts as you know a, a, a like interesting new investment asset definitely is and and you know that is there is a lot of risk involved in it but i feel like there is there is more angles to it no, more angles to look at an nft so uh, you could you could be a collector for a narrative for a cause uh, you could also be an artist for a cause not just you know like take, taking your digital art and and putting it online but you can really support a cause with it right and it's a visual medium so nfts are 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 a great way to support a specific cause you 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 are um you are really fond of and it's going to it's going to hold its its value over time uh, based on the community that's around it right mm-hmm. so again this is a huge risk it's not like nfts will make you money but it's a nice way to even think about it as um as a philanthropic thing right like it's there yes. are angles to it there are angles to it so so i i would urge people especially the people who made a lot of money uh in crypto i urge them to buy art right like i i urge them to say like take your a little bit of your money and maybe buy a little bit of digital art and 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 make a gallery in the virtual world and yeah. hang them and i'll come and i'll come and visit it love it. i love it um and i just i think we'll end with if america was an idea crypto is the new america it means freedom it means open borders and global accessibility it means ownership of property uh what a great great uh, discussion this has been and uh really appreciate you taking the time i know you've got a zillion other things to do but i can't wait to meet you in person but here we go lightning round as quick as you can if you do not own bitcoin what cryptocurrencies are in your portfolio polkadot okay uh anon asks how would you recommend a young content creator start utilizing or investing in nfts i think you answered that like do things you enjoy with art anything yeah. else and 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 probably uh be at the meetups so there are virtual meetups uh one oh. called vip wip work in progress yeah so if you, ah, if you search for it yeah. yeah it's it's the best whip. place to get started and be part of mm. the community love it veronica asks what are uh medicovin's thoughts on the upcoming pack action pak auction rather what is the pack auction do you know uh yeah like yeah like auction right like pa- pa- pack is doing a sadabi drop uh, i think ah. it's interesting i i want to observe it i don't have a like particular opinion about it and okay. uh, uh yeah i i don't know if i'm participating so so i don't want to comment on it cody asks where can we see experience medicovin's collection um the best way right now is just going on open sea uh we are building up a lot of these um um monuments but two things um b20.metaverse.fund has all the people collection so that's a monument in the metaverse so you have the coordinates that's one the other one is open sea uh you can go to open sea and search metaverse and you will see our wallet full of uh, uh these digital art collection fantastic that'll end our program for the day metacoven you've been absolutely fantastic for uh giving us so much of your time thank you to the inside team and uh inside.com has 16 newsletters from the business newsletter podcasting etc and we're doing another event called meetourfund.com and this is a reverse demo day any founder who wants to come can come for free 10,000 founders uh will 
It's a two-day event with two tracks. This was our little test today. We did one track for four hours. This is the next one's two days, two tracks, and 50 different venture funds. And I, I think Medikovin's going to do his fund as well. <laughs> I <laughs> hope. Uh, he'll present his fund. But how these funds work with founders and how they invest and what their value add is. And then you ask them the questions and they have a full half hour. So imagine 50 funds incubators, accelerators, platforms, etc. We'll have some crypto stuff, 50 different ones that you'll get to with your co founders or friends, pick which ones you want to go to 100% free, but you got to sign up now because we're going to turn off the free registrations when we hit 10,000. And then we're going to charge people like 300 bucks to come. So meet our and we'll see you all next time. Bye bye.